had to distract myself. And like, one of the things I do in the middle of all the chaos is create really good. Like, uh, I can barely write at home. I usually write like either before I work, after I'm off work. Uh, there's a couple of breweries that I used to go to when I lived in Lawrence. I would, uh, oh God, where was, where was the spot? I would never write at the replay. That's the only rule I really had besides not writing at Louise's. But I wrote at Louise's. I just didn't write in the middle of Louise's because if I was in the middle of Louise's, I would end up having to work. Mm -hmm. So it was usually after work when we're all just kind of counting money and chilling. But now I've taken to Marvel movies as like the background stuff to where like if I'm sitting at the computer and I just kind of get that weird urge to hate myself for sitting in front of the computer and not being productive. I just step away and I just hit up Disney plus and throw on some shit. Mm -hmm. And then I'll watch it for a little bit and be like, not in a negative way, but I'll just think these fuckers did an entire fucking universe. I can't make one song. (laughs) And then it becomes like, like perspective reset. Yeah. Yeah, it, it because it's the pebble and it's the pebble theory in sand. Where like if you really think about sand and you think of yourself as sand, you're really the smallest part of what makes sand sand. Because it's mm-hmm. not just one pebble, it's like an infinite number of small pieces of glass that have been worn down and like rocks that have been worn down and fallen off of things and like resettled from being moved in storms like that sounds beach, like a very even if it's a lake beach is like go ahead that sounds like a that sounds like a very buddhist thing to approach it with um but also like uh in, in i think it's cognitive therapy like there's this there's something similar where it's like i like an eye movement thing where if if you you can reset your brain based off of just like simulating uh quick eye movements or or basically it's like a distraction therapy where you yeah. can reset your emotional state and you can reset your um your whatever frequency your mind's working on based off of like just and now for something completely different and, and I imagine Marvel movies are good for that because they're utterly brainless. That's it. <laughs> that is totally it. Like, knowing that I can sit there and watch something, I, I mean, it's all made up. You know it is. Yeah, it's all a green screen with people kind of like staring at things, and then you're staring at yeah. the thing, and you're, you're be- you are become death, the, the <laughs> character in front of the green screen. And the, yeah. and then like they reset you as you reset yourself. Um, I I can totally see that perspective. Uh, yeah, like like they I, made I, a lineal story for twelve years. I yeah. can't spend an hour doing this song. Well, that's like, a really positive way of putting it. Uh, I feel like, <laughs> it, <laughs> like it's the kick in the ass I need to know that the Russo brothers got over from being the guys who basically helped Dan Harmon make Community what it was to like. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> now they run Hollywood like now, now they're like premier you know action movies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it it keeps kind of a perspective, and then I'm like, boom, idea, right back at it. So, I live. By the way, I got I gave plasma today. If you're wondering what that is, sorry. Oh, nice, excellent work. <laughs> I had no. Yeah, and I think Ebony, with your permission, I think we found our intro about four minutes back. <laughs> I just oh, want to include all yeah. this if, if it's cool. Yeah, that's fine. So you've been listening, <laughs> listeners. Thanks for joining us. Uh, this is the long play listening party. You've been listening to uh, wisdom from Ebony Simon, Lefty Grove, producer Guinness. I'm Howie Howard from Mr. Furious Records. Also on the line, we've got Daniel Glasscock, Lovecraft, Softcore Syndicate, member of Serene Fiend, and Joel Bonner himself from Serene Fiend. Speaking of Serene Fiend, what's up, guys? Hey, Serene Fiend. What's happening? <laughs> yo, yo, yo. So, uh, we're going to listen. Uh, let me give a, a minute of intro here, then we'll get some music going. But uh, we're going to listen to the Dharmic Beams, Dharmic Dubs record. Um, and I want to quick explain how this got started. So um, for the song, Don't Stop, I Want More. The process for that song, that's the first song that I started for the Dharmic Beams project. So Daniel had sent me um what became uh throb control right yep throb control and then so i came up with this baseline for what became don't stop i want more uh live baseline and what i made for him was like two sets of loops so this one i didn't do a jam it came over to him as uh a set of loops like a four bar loop and a two bar loop or something and different all the percussion I don't know how much of it got used and the bass and maybe that was all, all I it. did. All of it got every, used. Everything, every little section that you sent me got in there somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, but what happened as the early mixes started coming, like as Daniel started sharing the early mixes of what he was doing. Um, number one, I was like, this is awesome. And number two, I immediately realized like, oh, this is going much farther afield from the original idea than I expected it to. And that I'm totally cool with that. But I also kind of want to make something that's closer to the original vision. So great. I'll just do like a little bonus track, like my version of this. Um, so I thought, great, I'll do that. And I didn't, I imagined it since I had a live bass and I think, I think I had done the drums with kind of like a, a reggae kick on the two and the four. Um, and Oh, and I'd done some of the echoey guitars, I guess. So I was like, it had a very kind of dub feel. So I was like, okay, I'll do like Definitely a dub version of this dub of, of all the, of the dubs. Yeah. There's double dub. Word. And then I got to think like throb control. I liked that vocal part that Daniel had done so much. And, um, I don't know. I I was like, oh, I could maybe maybe I could put that on the 404 and like do a version where the vocal is like a little more forward and you just really get the vocal. So I had I had two dubs at that point or like a dub and a remix. And I kind of forgot how it went from there. But eventually I realized I had like five and I was like, well, fuck it. I better just do the whole do a whole alternate version of the record. Um, Let's hear some of it. 
Yeah, yeah. So I'll get some music going. Here's uh, the Renaissance dub of um, Throb Control. And so, so there's the dub of Don't Stop, I Want More. This is more like a remix. For some of the tracks, I ended up doing more of a mashup where I would take a piece or two of the Dharmic Beams and mash it into an existing synth jam that was just like a loose end from that I had previously laying around from other projects. Um, but that's how we got all the way to seven. And then eight, because there's a final Bandcamp-only version of the Royal Hotness at the original tempo. It's pretty cool, too. I think you'll come to find with with the dub side of the record, it's it's much more like uh, indulgent of the textural quality of what's what's going on. It allows for way more breathing room. My, you know, my overarching philosophy in production and, and stuff is like completely trim the fat, uh, like butcher the thing until they, like the the indulgence should only be ramping it up towards ADD culture yeah. and it's nice to hear some of these musical ideas breathe a lot more on the dub side because uh, I mean some of them deserve it quite frankly and sonically everything on the dub side went through the 404 Mark II either like this one that we're listening to was actually produced on the 404 Mark II, but at a minimum, everything went through the Mark II as stems for different grab effects and then some 303 vinyl and reverb on the, on the bus. Mike, I, I'm sitting here nodding my head along to what you're saying, but really, I... I'm just now getting into like equipment and exactly what things are because I'm just now getting used to actually producing music. So like this is good homework for me when I start to expand what I do because right now it's just the keyboard, the mouse and my Axiom 25 but like I want to I want to like hear these notes so I can kind of look for things randomly and like pawn shops and Ebony if you ever need gear help these two guys will <laughs> they'll set you straight yeah like that's what I need because I only have a couple of things really in gold in theory that I want but if I can start to really implement my own ideas instead of like kind of leaning on sampling which I don't mind it's actually my favorite thing to do is like find something that someone did and do my own version using that. But like, I think I have a lot of ideas that I can flesh out in my head that I won't just be able to do with that particular equipment. So knowing people that have good knowledge about synths and even just like regular equipment, you know, guitars. and I had a couple of guitars and some xylophones, but I don't have any real keyboards or knowledge of keyboards and synthesizers at all. So yeah, it's all about you what you want to do down. musically and, and and what your budget is. And the I mean what's amazing now, yeah. there's there's great gear at every budget level. 
So yeah, amazing that's, that's gear doesn't have to be expensive. You save yourself a whole lot of trouble if you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might be a whole I, lot I happier if you just didn't do that. I, I get that feeling too, but I mean, <laughs> I've been at it since. Like I think I got my first paid professional music gig when I was barely old enough to drink. So like, my career is older than some of the people that have listened to my music regularly. And that's, and still evolving because now I'm doing something in production that's entirely new. Yeah. For a on a regular basis, like I've tried and done a couple things, but like I've maybe made like five beats before I really started concentrating on making beats and like doing the production side of music during COVID. Like when I first got laid off work, that's the only reason I got into production like this. And it was like, do one a day, and I guarantee you, it'll become habit, and then you might even get good at it. And then you might even feel proud enough of your art that you're not going to hold on to it and you'll release it. Because at that point in time, I was like, who knows what's going to happen? Like, and I'm still a little bit like that. That's why, you know, I think I put out, this is a uh, month nine. I think I have seven releases this year. And it's just like, I don't want to waste time anymore. So I really, really just started concentrating on doing music. And now I just need to start working on like getting my equipment knowledge up so I can either dive in or just kind of dip my toe and then, you know, back off. So. Fuck yeah, yeah. dude. That's kind of where I'm at. I, nice. oh, I, yeah. I don't, I don't want to take over the, the conversation here, but I mean, of course, like your sound is defined by your instrumentation, but like your composition it it it's it's how you interact with the instrumentation and i yeah. and i'm like i feel like if i could go back in time and like convince myself that soft sense were where it's at or i should do everything in the box like i would have saved enough money i could have a new car at this point you know yeah uh yeah. And, and it's such a rabbit hole it's like you get you get these awesome pieces of gear and some of them are completely inspiring. Some of them are option paralysis. Um, and you just don't know until you try them. Uh, yeah. and, and it's like, it's, it's like, you really want to bite off more than you can chew on this one? Uh, whenever you know, like, I, there's one piece of gear that I've always had that I always will use. It's the Boss Dr. Rhythm DR880. That's like if the rest of the studio burned down and that was all I had left, I'd still have about 60% of what I was going to do anyway. Just sitting right there and cheap as hell too. If you wanted to get one, it's like 250 bucks. Yeah. Like it really like it, it is about simplicity, but whenever I'm like seeking deep dives into the genres and exploring the emulating my favorite bands and stuff, you get on forums and you read the gear lists and you go on a quip board and you find out exactly what Roger Troutman used to make the talk box sound on Zap. You find out exactly which sense David Frank used on the system. You find out oh, exactly wow. what software. Yeah. And it's like you yeah. could you could just 
go into infinite amounts of debt to, to, find, <laughs> to find the sound that you know you exactly want and you exactly need. But it's always going to be like the balance between those two impulses. Like, I already got everything I need right here. But I could sound like all of my heroes for $40,000. Oh, the dilemma. It is, it is, it's the true existential funk of our time. Yeah. It's all just tools at the end of the day, though, right? I mean, and it doesn't tools are important and tools can be very nice and very enjoyable and can and draw things out of you that um, only that specific tool can but at the end of the day like the tool has to draw it out of you you are at the center we are at the center and um, equipment can only facilitate what's inside of us it can't do anything on its own Uh, speaking of equipment briefly for Nate's sake this is a lep loop jam that existed um, prior to Dharmic Beams the lep loop is a little Italian handmade uh, synth groove box um, that I adore and then I just mashed it up with the uh, the get it right sample from Black Neon and processed the stems on the 404 so there's only really those two elements the lep loop jam and the well three i mean the effects are so important i mean the effects are almost like an element so left loop jam vocal sample 404 mark ii effects i like the placement of these drums like the sparseness of like they're there when you don't necessarily expect it, but they're exactly where they need to be. Yeah, Lep Loop is really fun in terms of drum programming quotes because it only has two sounds, right? Like, so if you think kick, snare, hat, all Lep Loop has is kick and noise. And so you can shape that noise into sort of a snare, definitely a hat or, or other just noisy percussive or or washy sounds but it really does kind of force you to think about placement because you only have those two elements to work with you don't have kind of the normal kit even a basic kit is is not there and that that, that's one of the really fun it's a it's a barrier or not a barrier it's a challenge it's a hurdle it's a limitation but i find it to be a really fun one nice Howie, what what extent do you rely on a DAW for this stuff? Um, do you do you just try and get it oh, mostly yeah. as that was a big question I had too? Yeah, is is it is it mostly all like direct in with minimal plugins, or do you use a lot of you know subtle plugins, or what, what what's going on? Well. So I'm I'm certainly not a purist when it comes to the 404 or like working on hardware like so to take this song as an example uh the Black Neon dub um that uh the the synth and drums that's an 8 bar 
loop that was recorded direct into the 404. It was in um, stereo. So it came in with, I think, kick on one channel and the two synth voices or two oscillators and noise on the other channel. And then in the 404, I centered the kick channel and put chorus on the rest of it. So so now the kick's in the middle and the synths and noise are spread out via the chorus. And then for the vocal sample, uh, I did work the exact one from the, the main Darmic Beams LP. I wanted some variations. I wanted a longer one. I wanted a shorter one or whatever. So I went into the session, the DAW session, where I had made that sample for you and and made some different ones with the exact same settings but just like changed the lengths and imported those onto the 404 and then uh performed them live on the 404 and mixed the stems down and did the effects on the 404 so long story short these darm the dharmic dubs were mostly done in the on the 404 in that type of environment but doing a little bit of polishing. editing or whatever in the and DAW when needed, DAW. like to get the samples right or get the stems right, I would. I got no trouble like rendering something out. If there's like a little pop I need to remove, mm-hmm. I I'm not precious about. I'll render it out, fix it in the DAW, bring it back in because that's that's something that's just like impossible to do on the 404. Yeah. Um, cool. and then it was all, but it it was all mixed down to stereo on the 404 with the effects and everything and then mastered in the DAW. Okay. That is, yeah, that is so such a more minimal DAW reliant. Minimal DAW for the Dharmic dubs, yeah. Just for little editing tasks or cleaning up samples or polar opposite the for for the for the LP proper. Because Pro Tools was the other instrument that I played on the <laughs> album. <laughs> nice. What can I say? I, let me pull back a little bit. I mean, I made, in some cases, I I arranged loops in a DAW. Um, Don't Stop would be an example of that. So I took those loops I'd made for Daniel, looped them out, arranged the two different sections, and did all that in the DAW, and like created the stems in the DAW then move the stems onto the 404 for all the processing. Well, until the 404 has a uh, Waves J37 effect on it, or, uh, you know, uh, the uh, the Saturn Fab Filter um, plug-in, like, I wish. I wish that that was all just in a little, nice little box, but... There's, there's, yeah, just I mean, can't, just can't emulate that stuff. No, and the 404, Except even the, the Mark emulator on Pro right? Even the Mark yeah. II. I mean, so the SX is totally just like a blunt instrument. I love that about it. The Mark II is much more refined compared to the SX, but it's still you can't do precision editing or mastering or stuff like that on the Mark II, like. So in my workflow, at least, or for my creativity, there's still a real need for a DAW to bounce back and forth with. And of course, I do projects, you know, rock stuff and whatever, totally in the DAW. It has nothing to do with the 404.
You can really hear, so in the previous podcast, we talked about the digi-delay, and this, this dub like really brings that guitar part to the forefront. Um, I, I, the lyrics, such as they are, I typed uh, the title of the song, When Death is on the Line, into a um, Star Wars language translator set to Ewok. <laughs> so i was going i was going for that um oh what's the celebration song at return of the, oh, the end of return of the jedi but yeah i was going for a jub nub whatever type of vibe oh my god oh my god uh, it's my favorite it. number from the entire Star Wars universe, actually. You can buy your Imperial March. Amazing. <laughs> jump, jump. My God, I'm so glad I know that's a thing now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought Maybe so. A the couple of songs like that. The first, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it more for sure. Uh, the the throb control one. I just. I just said nonsense. It doesn't, but it sounded like kind of Star Warsy nonsense to me. So I, to make it, it's a kind of a theme for the dubs. I wanted to add a little more Star Wars in. Well, there's not enough Jar Jar in all of it, but I'll give it a pass. <laughs> That's probably my favorite Star Wars fan theory. Jar Jar Binks is a Sith Lord. Yeah, he's so, a Sith Lord, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's right up one. there with uh, Daniel LaRusa is the bad guy in Karate Kid. <laughs> Those are my two favorite fan theories for films. This one was the bass and drums and stuff was heavily inspired by Canadian uh, high life music and yeah I'm really pleased with the just the vibe like that could be a dangerous path to walk down for me but I feel like I pulled it off okay. I mean I've sampled some bass lines like that on some things that probably will never see the light of day so. I just, uh, I actually went through some of my files today and I used to have a, uh, a site, a selling site for beats on, uh, airbit.com. And today when I was riding the bus on the way to a meeting, I just listened to it on shuffle and was like, man, I actually made all this. But at the same time, there's a couple of them that were on there that had that same kind of like slightly wobbly bass line that's coming through when you're doing that and I was like man I like that I think I might have actually used a couple of the same things just from different spots sweet so great minds think alike yeah the uh, you made that one though right yeah this is all you played that bass line yeah I played it yeah like great bass the I was I was pretty ecstatic whenever Howie mentioned that uh, 
he wanted to do this like desert rock African style thing because it because as soon as I heard it it's like well this totally makes sense like it's like a Fela Kuti baseline or uh, yeah. it, it's definitely got the Touareg feel to it. Like that. Still, I'm a big like Motown, huge Motown fan, and uh, the bass tones in particular. So this, I do the, the P bass with the foam and DI, and that's kind of my whole bass thing. Excellent. Sounds great. Yeah, on the on the, on the final product, um, trying like be- between here and this like because this, this you know whenever he gives me this, this what you're hearing right now is pretty close to what I was given from the off- from the offset I mean without some of the stint stuff over top and uh, and I was like oh this is like William on or, or or like folks like that um, and of course love Imdo Mokhtar uh, who does pretty prominent Touareg uh, guitarist so it's it's like just like like you're talking about Lefty like uh, just syncing up like just on uh, by coincidence almost uh, you 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 vibe with people who just happen to be on the same shit that you are every once in a while uh, and it, it, it just felt really good, like because this is one of the earliest ones that uh, we we'd uh, worked on to get. Like this was the second one after after uh, like after. the second one we fully collaborated on after uh, Don't Stop. This uh, this is <laughs> this is actually kind of crazy that I'm going to say this about this particular song, but. Uh, there is a song by Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds called Heat of the Moment that on their second album, it's on that album, but then there's a remix of it at the end. And that song reminds me of that song. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I know we have like a whole... On, yeah. We have, Lefty, we have like a whole uh, Noel Gallagher conversation we need to have at some point, right? Yes, uh, that also will be coupled with my extremely irrational love of Oasis. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it, it's explainable, but I'll have to tell you at another time. <laughs> so this, this one, this is the Royal Hotness uh, booty dub. And uh, this is another mashup. So this is a beat. I made uh, based on an MS-20 patch where it's this wild patch I can't I didn't originate it I, I pulled it I read about it somewhere or saw a video or something but um, you can you could set it up in just such a way so like the lowest note kind of makes a kick and the highest note kind of makes a snare and then in between you have all these kind of um, filter based pitches but it's not 12 tone equal tempered so I made this uh, this jam where it's all this stuff I'm just playing and then some midi starts coming in to trigger the kick snare so that's even and then I'm like improvising in between the midi notes 
Um, and at one point, I actually gave this to Royce to write to, and he hasn't. So I took it back because I have better stuff on the shelf for Royce whenever he wants to write, and he knows it. So I took this one back. Huh. Um, and the sample, the vocal sample, was kind of. I thought it was kind of like softcore syndicate, but in an almost childlike way. Put a booty <laughs> on it, like that doesn't <laughs> just. Take whatever like, it is and put what a booty is it? on it. It doesn't have a booty, or you're gonna touch a booty to it, or like what? <laughs> it seemed like something a five-year-old might you know, that, say. Very that deer over there. That the deer. Put a booty on it. <laughs> or you're like you're looking at someone's work of art. They're like, what do you think? You're like, ah, put a booty on it. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting how you touch upon the Dadaist and post-structural elements of it, but I think you really need to put a booty on it. Put a booty on it. <laughs> it's just my opinion. Yeah, this is this track in particular is probably the most abstract in the Dharmic Beams. Yeah, big long point. intro. <laughs> um, but the elements, again, are really simple. So it's that MS-20 jam makes the drums and the bass, essentially. And then a vocal a, sample. A sprinkling of something Ventolin on it. <laughs> it sounds like something I'd get out of my Vogue uh, D-Fam. Oh, sweet. Very similar uh, timbres to some of these hits. And there is, so it's basically three elements, MS-20, drums and bass, vocal sample, and then there is the synth sample from the original, or the, like, the LP version of the song, uh, which is Monotribe. So there is some of that Monotribe sample in there, slowed down. Oh, oh my god, uh, what, this, uh, it's right on the... It's right at the front of my brain, and I can't think of it. Um, this is, I want to say, some early Mike Ladd songs that I heard sounded kind of like this. Oh, I don't know, Mike Ladd. like, sparse beats. Uh... Also gives off a little like uh, Shabazz palaces almost. And, oh, sweet! I love them. Uh, a lot of uh, like lesser mentioned anti-pop consortium like side projects and beats and stuff. Uh, also, Paul Williams used to write, used to do poetry over beats like these too. Mm -hmm. I, I like Paul Williams. Tell us that story. Me and a friend in college, we both dressed up as goths because we were. We weren't putting on an act. Um, but but we, we is, both wait, really like. Is that a goth I see or just someone dressed like a goth? <laughs> it's a fake goth, it's a pseudo goth. Um, but she, she and I were both pretty big Nine Inch Nails fans. And uh, and we went to go see them in Wichita, and and I was very young at the time. I looked very androgynous at the time, 
and we we got a lot of looks because we look like two really hot chicks. When I, when I'm in full goth garb, I look. Re, I, I mean, not maybe not these days, but back then, I was I was a fine piece. I think I think we would have confused a few conservatives, uh, and we did. We did. Uh, but anyways, we we were we were like we go in, and this is on the with teeth tool. And and we watched Saul Williams play, and then uh, and then Nine Inch Nails starts playing. And of course, like I'd been to like maybe two real concerts up to that point. I had no clue how loud concerts were actually, you know, like decibel level. Uh, and uh, so we were just hanging out by the soundboard because we're we're all we're all back here. And this was like the the Coliseum. Right? Isn't that the one in Wichita, the big Coliseum? So uh, yeah, I think that was probably one of the last things they did in that place, and then they built uh, Hartman Arena across yeah, the road. They bro- yeah, yeah, they because they did. Yeah, they tore that down for the the Wink Hartman. That's right. Okay. So yeah, we're on the other side of this hockey rink, basically, by the sound state, by the soundboard. And uh, Saul Williams came up and was chatting us up, and you know, like I think he finally figured out that I was a dude. Um, but like we still, we still got our pictures in, and he was—he's a really chill guy, and like easy to get along with. And we made a few other uh, super fans jelly that we were just immediately in because we looked good. So that's my Saul <laughs> Williams story. Nice, amazing. Oh, I love it. I oh, and then I got it. in trouble for smoking a cigarette in the atrium. I put it out uh, on my hand yeah. like a true dog in Wichita. <laughs> yeah. I could see how that would happen. <laughs> this is a good show. This is a good time. Nice. And All I was right. like, Saul, like, you know, your your costume, like the, the whole bedeck thing, you know, the the it's it looks great. But what you need to do is put a booty on it. <laughs> I mean, this is just some constructive criticism here, Saul. <laughs> nice. So that could be, I mean, you could write a whole piece called Put a Booty on it, really. I can see that. Uh, so this is the uh, Atomic Lemon dub of Slag Dragon. And this was basically Daniel's idea. Daniel shared with me an idea at some point of just like, wanting to just absolutely destroy a song. Total sonic annihilation. Yeah, total sonic annihilation. And my favorite um, device for total sonic destruction is the MS-20's uh, external signal processor, like, maxed out. That's mm-hmm. the most, like, beautiful distortion to me. If they can, it can be totally destroyed and still pulled together and not be harsh but it's weird I love it so so that's what I did this Slide Dragon had some parts that didn't end up in the official mix so I kind of put those parts back in and rearranged them uh, rearranged everything in the DAW and so this was actually so yeah so made the stems in the DAW onto the 404 for some stem effects stereo file back into the DAW and then DAW to MS-20 and record it back in for the distortion but then there's a there's a whole bunch of automation 
so that it, it, it's super dirty at the beginning, cleans up in the middle, and then gets super dirty at the end again. So there's this automation going into the MS-20, and also some EQ, and then the, you know, the opposite of that on the return, so that the level would be, like, the loudness would be the same throughout, because otherwise the clean part would be like 40 dB quieter than the start and end it. So there was a lot of DAW on this one, kind of. Huh. It's clever, though. Very, uh, very late 90s Berlin blood field. Yeah, this one I was like, I, I want to make the Ollie G proud with this one. I, I want Chavs to be yeah. able to, like, you know, Russian leg dance for this one. I get it. I get it. <laughs> and this is like, this was the one with the discotheque inspired vocal sample, right? So the guitars are a little bit like pop era U2, trashy, delay, all that stuff. I love that you love that era of U2 so much because I love that era of U2 a lot. Oh, good. We can be, we can be U2 <laughs> pop brothers. Dude, octung through pop is just, I love it. And, and see, like, I'm octung through boy. I'm the exact opposite. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I like the early stuff. And then octung baby, I was like, you know what? There's good songs on here. And then one came out, and that was the song that blew up of all the songs on there I that know, blew up yeah. on that album. And I'm like, they're gone. It's over. <laughs> like, the YouTube that I love is no longer there. They saw a check. Baby, we done talking about revolution. Let's get yeah. paid. <laughs> and like that's where my disconnect started because it was just like damn MTV got to him. You know, every band that I liked that MTV got to that wasn't hair metal, that that's a caveat. <laughs> because hair metal was only popular because of MTV. And it's super weird that like I mean, not to talk about it or anything, but it is the elephant in the room. It's super weird that there are like people my age and older that are going against things that help people that are like them when those were the same people they had as posters on their wall in the 80s. Yeah. You know, like, sure. You weren't looking at Vince Neil because he was pretty, you know, <laughs> but you were looking at Vince Neil dressed rather androgynously and loving what he did. Yeah. So, like, all of a sudden you get old and these things change. Like, what gives? Yeah. But that's just me. Sorry. Uh, I feel you. I feel you. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Back to the music, though. Sorry about that. No, that's a, no I think... No. Uh, that's, a, that's elucidating. I, people, yeah. people people, grow to, like, um, become reactionary against things that they're accustomed to. And, and and I'm sure that on a cultural level, like, that's that's why you're seeing so much, like, backlash against... Like, obviously, David Bowie would be pumped as hell about what's happening right now in culture but like anybody who was listening to David Bowie at the time was into him only because he was pissing off everybody in in the establishment at the time it's it's like this it's this undulating cycle of of like outrage and sexiness and uh and 
pushing the envelope and and this isn't comfortable for me anymore it just yeah. it just folds over itself and i guess when people get into different stages of their lives like like I, I don't know there's some modern forms of music where i'm like what the hell is this like why do they <laughs> you know like all the all the mumbling and the and the auto tune and uh, they don't even play a real guitar on that track and like i can see that perspective to some degree but like really he says that in a serene theme thing? yeah <laughs> i would get that all the time right no it's like don't you want a little something new don't you want to like don't you want to push the envelope even if it's uncomfortable or not what you expected I don't know know what people want obviously neither do I it's just one of my frustrations in life where it's like you know the coolest thing about getting older is that you really learn that minding your own business is the best way to be about everything outside of the things you can control because you can't like I don't want to be you know a witness to anything that's weird or violent or anything like that and being like well I guess I minded my own business so there's no hurt no foul you know like but the the everyday things that people are getting so stressed out about we all have bigger problems man like you guys are mad at each other and it's like there's only like 3,000 people on the planet that can actually afford to live the way things are going so like why aren't we all mad at them? Like, why aren't we like supporting independent artists and local shops and like building our friends and communities back up? You know, like I don't, I don't get anything that's going on. And I hate the fact that it comes out when people finally start paying attention to the messages that they get in music and going, Oh my God, I can't believe they were talking about this on the wall. And it's like, now you hate Pink Floyd, but you've been singing these songs for 40 years. You know, now you hate Rage Against the Machine. You've been singing these songs since we were 15 years old. I guess I was the only one paying attention to the words, man. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> you can't be mad that these guys are talking about things that they were talking about when I was 15 years old, because I think I got a decade on everybody in this group right now. But like, when I was 15 and listening to Rage Against the Machine, I was like, these dudes are talking about things that we all need to be believing in. Like, we need to stand up against the people that are trying to keep us down, no matter who it is. Like, we need to rise up as a people and make sure that this is the world that we want to live in. And like, 30 years later, same people are pissed off about it. Really? Like, really? So I just keep my headphones on keep a Marvel movie on in the background and make music that I can listen to with my friends and peers and enjoy music that my friends and peers make. So, well, it's easy for you to say, cause you're a active listener. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and also to say, uh, thanks Howie for using pop era. U two tones on your record, dude. Well, um, thank you. Thanks it's for bringing that conversation. I, yeah, I did. <laughs> I did want to say so. Uh, Mi- Mysterious Ways changed my life. Fuck Before yeah. Mysterious Ways was on the radio, I listened to country music. Um, and so Octane Baby is my favorite record of all time. And I love basically Same. all U two. I love U two up through about No Line on the Horizon. I think No Line is secretly a great U two record if you 
skip stand-up comedy. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Wait, is I that like, the one that they gave us on our iPhones when we? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. It's, it's the one with the gray cover of a like an ocean and clouds. Not the um, one with vertigo, though, right? Not the one with vertigo. The single was "Get on Your Boots," which did oh, not represent okay. the record at all, really. Yeah, you see, yeah. singles just never represent the record anymore. They really like the modern era, like like post pop, like starting with "All You Can't Leave Behind." The singles just never do the records justice. I mean, to be fair, the first time I heard Disco Tech, I was like, what are they doing? <laughs> and that was when I was like really out then, because I was just like part of the whole backlash against, you know, you two sold out. And it was just like, that was the, the apex of my anger was that album, mm-hmm. you know? But at the same time, I totally get it because I've had a bunch of friends that saw them live during that tour. And was like, yeah, dude, if you're going to an arena rock show, that's the one you need to go to. Mm-hmm. Like, apparently they killed it on that tour. That, that like, yeah, that tour's stage production is pretty bonkers. I mean, I, I don't think anything will ever be Zoo TV. Howie, you'll probably yeah. back me up on that. That is just like the tour to end all YouTube tours. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, I'll even give it up for that one. Like, that was just like, yeah, those dudes are doing it all. Like, let them cook. <laughs> they, oh, I thought it was great. I thought of a great uh, question. We can have a one question Monday sometime with you guys. Uh, I thought of a great YouTube question. So I'm just I'm saying that to file away for later. Okay. All I'm right. not going to ask it right now. I do okay. want to. So I haven't played another song, and I'll probably move um, Sexlesiastical Confusion back in the edit because I want to build on something Ebony was saying. You know about building up our communities and and building up our friends and so this was another like mashup i had this um this is the other left loop jam so again a left loop jam kind of done the same way as the one i talked about earlier okay and i asked daniel for a bunch of stems for this because i did not know like what sample i wanted to use and what i thought i was going to use was probably that that rompler piano sound which i just love and i couldn't make it work and i tried like another synth solo and i couldn't make it work so i got down i tried at least three things i think um and then i tried that guitar part and just instantly um that guitar part just slotted into this completely unrelated jam and i had so much fun i did it in like an hour it just came together i did this in the daw but i i slowed it down both because i wanted the time stretch and to match pitch and i chopped it up and added just a little ambient delay in some parts to like extend so it wouldn't drop out completely and just the way it meshed with that lip loop jam so perfectly but so oddly and like the the number of measures isn't even, and it's just this beautiful little microcosm to me. I love it so much. And it's all, that jam wasn't going anywhere until Daniel's guitar part got imported. So shout out to Daniel for that. Well, I gotta, I gotta endorse the uh, Universal Audio Ruby 63 pedal for that one. 
Because okay. I ran. Um, Is that the reverb? And no, it's it's a uh, it's an amp sim of a Vox, a '63 Vox. Oh, okay. Uh, it's like it's like a dual '63 Vox amp sim. Or, or you with too, multiple, bro. With uh, is that what they used? Oh yeah, Ed's known for his uh, his Vox, Vox love. Yeah. Well, it's got like uh, four different speaker sims, and uh, I mean, like they they ain't cheap, but um, the my favorite part about it is it's a good DI for guitar, and uh, you can affect uh, like the mic placement in a room with it, uh, and that so of course I just crank that shit up. It, <laughs> it sounds like you recorded it from down the hallway from the opposite studio to get it and then of course you put some some chorus on there and, and it sounds good because Your business no that's a great guitar yeah, sound i've always liked that if there's chorus on a vox then it's perfect okay and then it sounds exactly how it's supposed to sound all right fellas it's been a long journey but we're about to finish it out this is a uh round the tub that started, started it all don't stop i want more good bass tone same thing p bass foam di foam like under like right next to the bridge under the bridge Ooh. yeah right next to the bridge it's the james jamerson type of yeah sirs fellas gentlemen people this is dope like uh like if Mars was a disco band that did pump up the volume eventually in the 80s. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like this. These are the kind of things that I just kind of make to listen to when I'm just chilling. Like nobody's ever gonna hear these things unless they happen to come over the house and I'm playing this stuff randomly. Like just kind of going back and reminiscing and seeing if I can improve on it or just listening to it because I like to listen to it. My whole like like, like measuring stick for this was like, could I imagine hearing this in Love Garden? Oh, nice! I think you, I think you could. Yeah, sound a lot better than a lot of the things I've heard in Love Garden. I'm not trying to be a hater. I'm sorry, but <laughs> I'm a snob. I'm a terrible, pretentious snob. But you say you're sorry. It's okay. Uh, yeah, see, it, that makes it okay. I pre-apologized. <laughs> By the way, shout out to the Love Garden. If anybody that works there or goes there, hears anything or says anything, big shout out to Cyrus and Kelly and crew. I don't know who all still works there from when I used to live up there, but always the, one of the only places I guarantee you're going to catch me when I go to Lawrence. So, Spot, they're the homies. I'm sure we, I'm sure all four of us have records priced by Cyrus in his handwriting in our collections. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Some, somewhere, I know. Uh, sitting right here. <laughs> I, like, that was my, that was my addiction for a long time, was just buying random, like, hard to find CDs because I, I was never a very permanent person in Lawrence, so I didn't have room for vinyl, and I'm just now getting comfortable enough to want to start looking at those two down here. 
but I would go to Love Garden and grab like, hey, do you have like one specific instance I remember because I'm very upset that I actually don't have that CD anymore is a anti-pop consortium put out a Japan release only album called Shopping Carts Crashing. And I think I paid like 45 bucks from that and Love Garden ordered it for me. So anybody that can find something that obscure, you're always going to have a mark in my book, man. That's solid. So, yeah. and I mean, if anybody's listening, can you price that out for me again? Because I think I'm probably going to win another one. If it's out <laughs> Let's see here. I'm on Discogs right now. And I'm seeing for this, this, did you want the CD or it, I mean, there's, there's five CDs for sale. Uh, looking, looking like the closest one to us is in Japan. Uh, they aren't cheap, man. Yeah. There's a, there's a VG plus that's $31 with 59 shipping and that's probably the cheapest one too huh that is the cheapest one I, it, well but also take take into consideration i can't read other people's currencies they just look like gobbledygook to me so there's one that's that looks like an e with some lines through it and that's that's uh, 30 dollars with with e lines uh and 45 dollars shipping is is 30 30 dollars in e-lines uh expensive i don't know i think yen is like less than a dollar like like a lot less maybe like two or three or four to a dollar yeah i'm gonna have to you're you're talking about no, the there's there's a Y with lines through it that's uh, oh, okay. four thousand three hundred fifty dollars. Right. Okay. So it's more than and that's that's the Y with the lines through it. Yeah. Wow. So that thing must be like still in the package, never been played. Well, not necessarily. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot of yen in every dollar. So how, how many how many yens is in a dollar? This uh, is you're listening to Global Currency Cast. <laughs> <laughs> Buy now. Buy all currency right now. Let's Don't see here. Stop. I want more. One <laughs> Japanese yen equals 0. 0.0067 United States dollar. So, seven cents? I mean, a little bit more than half a cent. No, so it's so like 250. It's a little bit more than 0.5 of a cent. It's it's 0.0067 cents. Oh, wow. No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. I'm I'm getting my currency screwed up. Right, you said it right the first time. Okay, yes, I'm sorry. It's it's 0.67 cents. Oh, okay. So... Yeah, so it's like 150 yen to a dollar, roughly. You do the Super middle. roughly. Anyway, that's the end of Dharmic oh, Dubs. That's not bad. Um, hope you enjoyed it. You can pick it up at mrfuriousrecords.bandcamp.com. 
or lovecraft.bandcamp.com or stream it wherever you like to stream. On the Bandcamp, there is one additional bonus track we're not hearing tonight. It is the uh, 10-minute original tempo, actually a house track version of the Royal Hotness. So for the for the LP, Daniel sped up the jam by quite a bit. For the dubs, I slowed it down by quite a bit. Um, but you I didn't did slow do it down like, at all. You you put it where it was. You you left it as it should be. No, for the booty dub, it's way slowed down. Oh, okay. Oh, for the booty dub, that's right. Yeah, that's but for, for the, the bandcamp bonus, bonus track, the bandcamp bonus track is original tempo, minimal, um, with a new vocal sample that you haven't heard and some different stuff, and it's like actually a house track. For finally, once, we to, get some right. Finally, to close it all out as the very last bonus track for the deepest divers ever. <laughs> um, but but thank uh, thanks everyone for going on this journey with us. Thanks, listeners. Uh, links to all of the stuff um, from Daniel and Joel and Ebony in the description. And uh, yeah, good pod, guys. Great pod. Great album. Congrats, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. That's awesome. I'm, yeah, I'm glad you could dope. share this moment with us. Yeah, thanks for coming on and and sharing this with us. And um, you know, we're not like playing a show or anything. This is kind of the party. So this is the show. This is like the this is it. The one album release show that we actually had, and we really want to thank our our friends Joel and Ebony for showing up tonight. <laughs> Tip your bartender, and uh, get home like, safely. Like. Uh, mm-hmm. Young androgynous goth Daniel, I was not ready for the decimals. <laughs> nice. The DBs, the Dharmic Beams, the, the Loofs, the RMSs. Oh, yeah. Said the shotgun to the RMSs. <laughs> yeah, how he t- told me all about RMSs. Uh, Whenever, oh, that's whenever. a whole set. We can't get into that. It's a whole oh, separate oh, pod. Okay, I'm whole sorry, separate sorry. pod. <laughs> I, whole I, separate I, pod. To say I learned a lot during the process of making this. Uh, yeah, hey, if you would like me to master your record or teach you about mastering, reach out at thelongplaylp at gmail.com. Um, aside from that, this has been Global Finance Currency Exchange Cast on the Long Play <laughs> Listening Party <laughs> Network. Later, everybody. Later. Be well, guys. Take care, Ebony. <laughs>